Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode number 11 of That's What B Said, brought to you by Fansided. I'm your host, Bree at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by my lovely ladies live again, Miss Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View. Hi, Britt. Hello. <laughs> She's waving. And Meredith is with us as well, having another good hair day. Hi, Meredith at MK on Sports. Hi. Okay, guys. So we have got a wonderful show lined up for all of you tonight you know we were a little bit sad last week I think about the ending of the Browns season we really wanted to continue talking about the Browns going to to the AFC championship game the Super Bowl we know that that didn't happen um and I think everyone was nervous we wouldn't be talking about Browns but you know, Brown's Twitter gives us a lot of topics to talk about. And I have a feeling that's not going to stop anytime ever. soon, ever. Uh, and we'll sprinkle a little bit of calves in as well tonight, because there's obviously things to talk about with the calves too. Um, so we're going to start with um, the Browns. And without saying names, there was a local sports show discussing the merits of the Browns trading for Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. And we've also seen for about the last week fans calling for Deshaun Watson. For many teams this offseason, uh, almost 20, their quarterback position is in jeopardy. We don't have to do this anymore. We don't have to do this. We know that it may be difficult to fill time during this offseason, but topics like these seem like a monumental waste of energy. They are also a symptom of a very serious and very scary sickness. Yes, you read that right. This is our PSA to let all of you know that there is a sickness in Brown's fandom. If you or a loved one is suffering from post-Brown's insanity, also known as PBI, please deactivate all forms of social media and try again next season. We're going to read you the symptoms. Symptoms may include memory loss and delusion, terrible takes and confusion and paranoia. So we're going to break these down. You guys can diagnose yourselves. If you feel like you fall into any of these categories, we can refer you to a good doctor. We have three of them on the show tonight. So we'll let you know who we recommend the appropriate medication. So we're going to go into memory loss and delusion. Uh, this symptom is saying things like Baker is a good game manager, but not a good quarterback. You may also say Baker was bad in the red zone this year. Or you may say Baker isn't actually good. He just has good weapons. Or yes. Yes. Can I interrupt you for a go, second? Please. Because for this one specifically, one of the, I think most hilarious things about this season was I was scrolling through Twitter the one day and, you know, I don't follow Colin Coward, but sometimes he'll pop up in my stuff. I'm not the kind of person who's going to block him because I actually, <laughs> I used to love Colin Coward. Like I love oh, him. Yeah. Like I used to waste so much time in college sitting in my car, listening to Colin Coward. Like I would, I would skip class for it. So like, I'll never block the guy. I think, you know, he's, he's entertaining at least, but this year, one of the funniest rants he ever went on was he was saying that Baker wasn't great. He wasn't even good. And he was penalizing the Browns saying that how dare they go out and get him weapons. <laughs> like they, he said they tailored an offense built for him. Well, I almost dropped the F word because I'm so like confused by this. Well, hell yeah, they did. That's what a GM's supposed to do. That's what a team's supposed to do. You build around your quarterback. So like he just went on this rant and he thought that he made some really profound, smart points about how wrong it was for the Cleveland Browns to fill the roster with good offensive players. How dare they do that? Well, I was like, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel to try and find arguments against this guy, aren't they? Like it's getting to the point where it's, it's, it's laughable now. So that was one. Yeah. So I actually wanted to talk about that too. I think I had someone in my mentions last night who listed off all of these. So I thought maybe you were diagnosing like a singular person, but then I realized that there's way more than just one person with all of these symptoms per se. Um, and I also agree that I don't understand the logic of 
having weapons surrounding Baker Mayfield as being a negative against him. Like people are using that against him. All of a sudden between last night and today, Josh Allen was playing with people off the streets apparently versus Baker Mayfield just had an embarrassment of riches on his team all year. Like the comparisons just became amazing to me. Um, And Meredith, you texted something in our group chat last night because I was getting heated and I want you to read verbatim what you said, because it is a hundred percent accurate in how these people are viewing Baker Mayfield and their opinion of him. Is it what I said about the Dales? Yes. Hold on. I have to look it up just so I can read it exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's exact, but I will say this, that I just, I think is so ridiculous is good football teams aren't just they don't hinge on just one good player like yeah if you have a good quarterback that's great but you mean Aaron Rodgers was getting beat up last night because Mm -hmm. his offensive line was Swiss cheese and Aaron Rodgers is elite so it just okay so I found it so this is this is the argument that the Dales are using as told by Meredith uh quote Baker sucks as a QB because he's being set up to succeed if he was actually a good quarterback he wouldn't need the tools the weapons or protections in order to make plays and that's so they just want deshaun kaiser that's what they want (laughs) that's their argument because you had that guys and that wasn't good either so what do you want you can't have it both ways you can't say well you know baker he has all these tools he he's he's built for success that's exactly what a good franchise does for their quarterback they fill the holes so that the quarterback can succeed this i mean it's not like rocket science even girls like us can understand this <laughs> i mean and if you want to talk about baker's embarrassment of riches uh let's talk about a guy named blake that he literally met the day like the day of the game in the morning during a parking garage walkthrough Right, like yes. that's that's an embarrassment of riches right there, right? Or you know when they talk about oh he had all these great wide receivers, can we talk about all the drops that all these great wide receivers had this year too? Yeah. And the fact that you know other than you had Jarvis Landry, but you know I wouldn't say that Kadero Hodge is like a a premier athlete. Like I didn't hear about him until recently. I mean like it's not like you know he had all these uh, like pro bowl level receivers because he hasn't yeah. he had one he had one pro bowl <laughs> receiver and that was jarvis landry yes. but i will say so i will say this about uh players like Kaderil hodge Kaderil hodge is good not great but sure. when you pair him with a good quarterback mm-hmm. he looks great and that's why Kaderil hodge made so many plays this year was because of baker yeah unfortunately for baker i feel like his 2019 performance has preceded him So all of these comments to me make sense a year ago. They don't make sense right now. Like all of these people are describing Baker Mayfield from 2019 in a bad offense with a bad offensive line with a horrible coaching staff. We just talked about this last week. Like we already saw that Baker, but did anybody watch 2020 season? Because all of these arguments, they're not valid anymore. I mean, and yeah, even if you're just looking at at straight up box store box score and stats, Baker still matches up with the top being a top ten quarterback in the NFL in 2020. He, he was top ten when it came to quarterback rating, top ten yeah. in in the season regular season, regular season. I yeah, and, because there were two playoff games. Correct, and what? he was great in those playoff games. He was number five, mind you. I did this research because I was annoyed above Lamar Jackson and above Mr. Josh Allen, who played in the AFC championship last night. And, and look, I give the bills and Josh Allen credit. They got to the championship game. They beat the Ravens to get there, which the Browns couldn't do this season. They couldn't beat the Ravens this year. That is going to be the Browns Achilles heel. And I think that that will change going into next year, but the bills defense is not the same as the Browns defense. But when you look at their offenses, I thought it was pretty apparent last night after watching that game that the Browns offense is way better than the Bills offense. And that includes Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen. I said it. 100%. Do you want to hear do you want to hear another ridiculous take that I heard today? Yes, please. Please. 
I'll try and do this while keeping a straight face. I heard a take today, and this came from an actual human being, that Baker is the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the division. Fourth or fifth? fifth? There's Who's only the fifth? there's only four teams in the division. But this guy fourth was trying. Was this a caller? This was a caller. Oh God! This was is a caller. Mason you guys Rudolph. Gotta, you guys gotta stop letting people call. Let's <laughs> ban sports you callers. Sh- you should hear the people who don't get through. Did this guy get through? Yeah. Meredith, why? I, it wasn't on my show. It was not my show. It was somebody else's show. Do your job, Meredith. I, I, it was somebody else's show that this caller got through on, but he was trying to argue that Baker's the fourth or fifth in the division. And, and I'm like, there's only four teams. Also, I'd like to I'd like to clarify real quick that the the sports talk show that we were referencing earlier was not Meredith's. So uh, <laughs> they're unnamed, but it was not Meredith. She had no affiliation to this particular. I would not have allowed it. Yes. I would not have allowed Thank it. You. <laughs> well, you know, everyone that's getting vaccines for COVID, you, you know, recently or in the future, like people are getting cards to show that they're vaccinated. We should be handing out Browns cards to like give to people to show like, yes, you are allowed to tweet because you're not going to have these horrible takes or you are allowed to call in. Like you have to show us that you have proven, like we need to give Brown's vaccines. I don't know, horrible (laughs) Brown's takes vaccines. I would love it. I would love it. I don't know if it's not big enough. I do have a remedy for something, but I don't think we're- I was thinking about something today. So you know how they're like, Twitter's just on a ban spree for like everyone? Yes. You know, everyone's getting banned and it's great. I think for sports Twitter, you should be allowed to be wrong five times about something before they ban your account for life. <laughs> well, not for life, probably like a year, but like, okay, next year we'll reset and you can have another chance at this. But after you're wrong five times, saying something confidently wrong five times, you're out. But see, then yeah, they that. would just have, well, we know one person specifically who would have been banned a, a while ago if that was the case, but then they would just create a burner and then they would come in with burner accounts. True. But it would take them like a whole year to get their, their numbers back. You know, I think it's worth a shot. Jack, I know you listening to that. <laughs> We're currently on your platform, Jack. Yeah. So make it happen five Jack. times and you're out. So I think with the Baker Mayfield thing too, they like we had a couple more symptoms and we we talked about Josh Allen versus Baker Mayfield the other one is Baker's never the best player on the field which is so inaccurate and false um I I wrote down here these people that hate Baker Mayfield or don't want to admit that he had a good season this season is that they're never going to be satisfied In fact, their expectations for Baker as a quarterback are way higher than any expectations they've ever set for themselves. In their minds, Baker needs to prove himself by throwing for 5,000 yards, throwing for 35 touchdowns with zero interceptions next year while having one arm tied behind his back and being blindfolded. And it still won't be enough for these people because they're professional goalpost movers. If Baker were able to achieve this feat that would never happen, they would just say, well, he couldn't do that on one leg. I just wanted to tell all of these people tonight, Baker is going to have an MVP season next year. So you can go be a fan of Deshaun Watson and whatever team he ends up playing for. Cause it's not going to be the Browns. We won't miss you. Bye. Exactly. Here's the thing about Deshaun Watson too. Cause I was talking, my dad mentioned it this morning. We were, you know, go to Duncan every morning, talk about sports sometimes. And he, he asked me, he's like, we, you know, I see a lot of people talk about Deshaun Watson. Do you think that like, that would be even something that they would consider? I was like, no, I said, absolutely not. Is it the thing about Baker Mayfield that people don't seem to grasp? And maybe it's, I don't know if it's like outside of Cleveland, maybe some inside of Cleveland, but like, he's part of the Browns DNA now. So even if you look at someone like Deshaun Watson, who is very good, he's very talented in his own right. He deserves a lot more than what he's been given in Houston. But even if you look at that, it's not gonna be here. You know what I mean? Because he's, now we're at the point where Baker Mayfield's like ingrained into the Cleveland Browns. And you're not, I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers, like you're not gonna break him away from this team now. It's just not gonna happen. So all these pipe dreams of, well, you know, what will we have to give up to get Aaron Rodgers in Cleveland? Like this is all just 
such an incredible waste of energy and time to talk about this stuff. So I want to share a conversation that I had with a colleague today, and we were talking about Deshaun Watson versus Baker Mayfield. And I asked him if he thought Deshaun was a better quarterback, if he thought Deshaun was elite. And he said, absolutely. He was like, if you have your choice between Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield, you should choose Deshaun Watson. However, when it comes to the Browns, the amount that you would have to give up to get Deshaun Watson, A, would not be worth it. And B would fracture the locker room because Mm -hmm. Baker is beloved by the organization, by his teammates, by everybody there. So if management made a move to get rid of him, then that team is going to be worse off than it was when you had Todd Haley, Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens fighting on camera on, on HBO. Like that's what we would go back to. So he was like where the Browns are now you keep Baker, you sign Baker because what it would cost both money-wise and just culture-wise, he's like, it's not worth it. It is not worth it. You just saw that play out in Houston with Deshaun Watson. Like you saw Deshaun Watson with no offensive weapons and a subpar Mm -hmm. defense. They couldn't win football games. So if that's what you want, then by all means, like we've been living that for the last 20 years. Like we we've been there before and Deshaun Watson is an amazing quarterback. No one's going to argue that, but even as amazing as he is and was this past season, he couldn't do it himself or he would have made the playoffs. He would have won football games. Right. Like I just don't see how you trade for Deshaun Watson and then you automatically are guaranteed to go to the Super Bowl. Plus it wouldn't be, and I don't think people realize it wouldn't be a one-for-one trade. Like you can't just say trade Baker Mayfield for Deshaun Watson, hunky dory, everyone goes along on their day. Like, no, the Texans would be asking for a lot more than Baker if that's who was on the trade block to get Deshaun. So like, it's not just going to be a one-for-one trade, trade quarterbacks. It would be so much more expensive than that. It would cost players. It would cost draft picks. It would cost cap space. Like it's just not worth it, <laughs> not oh. worth it at all. Especially when you have someone like Baker who is good enough to get you to the playoffs and he is good enough to win playoff games. And he's proved that. And I feel like if the Browns were in the Super Bowl and they were down by six and Baker Mayfield makes this last second Hail Mary pass to Jarvis in the end zone and they win the Super Bowl with zero seconds left on the clock, people are still going to say that Baker is not good and Jarvis isn't worth his money. National Google Post Movers. I can't wait to get into the This is a really good segue. (laughs) Really good segue, Meredith, into terrible takes because this is the second symptom um, of our PBI. If you're suffering. Very serious. You may have the urge and the audacity to say things like, the Cleveland Browns should get rid of Jarvis Landry. I'm going to pause there. We're going to noodle on this because, man. Noodle. We're going to noodle on it. We are going to noodle on this one because this Jarvis Landry contract negotiations, trades, getting rid of him. I've never seen Twitter as divided other than Baker Mayfield not being the franchise quarterback. These things are literally happening, happening like day after day. They won't stop. This Jarvis thing has taken on like it, it's its own like separate entity of Twitter yes. now, where it's yes. just like there's Jarvis and, Twitter. That's what it is. It is. And the people like, okay, friend of the show, Pete Smith, he is like leading friend. the charge on he might need to be demoted from friend all of the season. show. Seriously. Pete Smith, all season. He has been consistent. I will give him that. Oh, this has gone on for much longer than this once. Like this has been going on for years. <laughs> like I and you know, I it, I'm not saying okay, like I'm team Jarvis. And I can't get into all the money details because you know, as we were talking last night, it said you know, me and Bree and I think Meredith too agreed that we're just not ever going to be that show that gets into contracts and money and cap space and all this, you know, rich people stuff that I have no idea about. Like, I can't talk about any of that stuff because I'm, it's like another language to me. I can't speak it. So, but you know, he gets into all the, the ins and outs of it and says, you know, well, this makes sense for this, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things, because I privately messaged him today and I said, hey, Pete, how you doing? And he's like, oh yeah, you know. <laughs> 
just starting wars and everything. And he did make, he said something funny, which I will share with you guys. I doubt he'll care if I share this. We'll find out. <laughs> well, I mean, here we go. He's, he's more than welcome to, to pop in in the, in the comments on the live show to defend himself. Yeah. Okay. So he said, um, Nevertheless, there are a number of people who think football is magic and treat Jarvis Landry as though he is the Ark of the Cultural Covenant. And if disturbed, the Browns will simply crumble into dust because Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield are not enough to hold back the powerful wave of dysfunction that would ensue. <laughs> well, he so I'm sorry, it was so funny. I mean, it's like... It's- we're talking about football, man, not writing the next great Shakespearean play. Come on, Pete. So the, it, it, it's sort of like, I want to know, I want to ask you two though. So when it comes to Jarvis Landry, do you, do you want him to stay for the Browns more because of the, the athleticism and what he brings on the field? Or, you know, like you said, like the cultural stuff, because Back when the Cleveland Browns needed a leader, it seems like Jarvis Landry really, you know, slid into that role and owned it. Now that they have like a functional, you know, everything, everything, they're aligned, everything seems to go. They have a a good leader in charge, great GM, everything's, you know, going their way now. Do you think it's still that important? Do you like, which, which side are you guys on here? Okay. So I go back to this being our first winning season since 2007, right? And we haven't had consecutive winning seasons. We haven't been a stable organization by any stretch of the imagination. We still don't know if we're going to be stable, but I have full confidence that with the staff that's in place, coaching staff, GM, front office, that we're on our way to being that consistent, well-run organization I'm at the point right now where we are not the type of football team that can trade away talent and then just fill in the holes with other talent. Mm -hmm. Um, There have been organizations around the league that have been able to run this way because they've had a consistent winning culture and staff. And that's, that's just what they did. They could plug in players um, and, and they wouldn't miss a beat. I'm not so sure that the Browns, have reached that level yet. Not saying we won't eventually, but I just don't see that happening. And I think Jarvis is too important and too much of a piece of the pie with Baker, especially that you can get rid of him and expect to just fill in with some other guy and do the things that he was doing. That's where I'm at, but that's just me. That's just my opinion. So I'll say this, I'll say this about Jarvis. Um, and, and the same goes for Odell Beckham Jr. I think it is an extreme galaxy brain take to say the Browns would be better without Pro Bowl caliber talent on the team. To say that the Browns would be better without two of the best wide receivers in in the NFL. And I think secondly, when it comes to Jarvis and arguing his salary, I feel like the arguments stem from looking at stats and box score alone. So, cause I've seen the, the arguments on Twitter of, oh yeah, if you want a wide receiver that's gonna make two yard catches and then get another four yards after catch and you're still not gonna get a first down with like, that was the argument. And I was like, that's literally just looking at the box score. It's like, you didn't even watch the game and you didn't see the impact that Jarvis had on the field, even if he wasn't involved with the play. And it was the same thing with Odell Beckham Jr. It was drawing defenders away. It was being available downfield when Baker needed to make a long throw. It was just everything that Jarvis brings to the table is a package deal. And then the leadership is just natural because he's so charismatic and just such a, a leader and such a positive personality to have in the locker room to not want all of that together is just mind boggling to me. Like what, what team would legitimately not want Jarvis Landry. Well, we're also going into our second season with the same offense. First time since Jarvis has even been on the team. I mean, we talk about Baker and how he's had to learn three different playbooks. I mean, so is Jarvis. So is Jarvis. And they've been Mm -hmm. productive together. I would love to see this offense, same, same players come back, God willing, 
um, together and let's run it back. Like, let's see how it goes. I mean, we had success in a season that had a lot of ups and downs and they were able to accomplish a lot of things. Let's see this offense come back and see how good they can be. There's, there's not a thing that I would change about the Browns offense right now. Um, I mean, obviously the defense needs a lot of help and we've discussed it before on the podcast. Like, you know, this, this Browns team as it's composed right now is not a Super Bowl winning team. Um, but I think the offense needs to stay put. There's not a single change that I would want to make on offense right now. I don't think I would either. I mean, you know, I don't know, again, the numbers and the contracts and all that. I don't know what Jarvis's deal is or how much money, you know, I, I, don't, I don't care. Like at this point, I think everything is going in such a good direction that taking out big pieces is probably not the best idea. Nope. But you know, yeah. what do I know? We're just a couple chicks with podcasts, right? <laughs> what do we know? Just Women. everything. We've just been writing about everything this year, but it's fine. <laughs> I know. We're once, once it's we get our mall, once we, once we all get our Mollus was white, right shirt. Mollus was right. shirt. Oh, on that train while we're riding that wave. Can we talk about, um, I don't know, probably like six or seven weeks ago when I said the bills were overrated. <laughs> yes. I know I, that watching that game last night was so tough because I was sitting there thinking like, man, the Browns could have beaten the bills so easily. Like, Oh yeah. Oh, uh, that was, that was, that was a painful thing to watch. Like obviously the chiefs are the better team than both the Browns and the bills. But if the Browns managed to stage a comeback and, and beat the chiefs, they would be in the super bowl right now because there's absolutely no way they would have lost to that bill's team. Yeah. I text, I know I texted you guys, um, yesterday, but I have to, I didn't want to tweet this out because I didn't want people attacking my mother. Um, <laughs> but I had to laugh because we were talking about the game and who we were rooting for rooting for the bills or, uh, the chiefs. And my mom, my mom is just like, a whole other level of petty, I guess. And I, I guess that's where I get it from. But she said yesterday that she did not want to root for the bills because she didn't want them to be happy because we I love it. Happy. I love it. So I, know, I mean, I could see where she's coming from. Like I yes. want to, I want to win the AFC championship. I want to go to the Super Bowl. Like, sorry, bills. Like we've suffered just as long as you have, if not longer. Right. And I, I said that I was like, I don't want to see the bills in the Super Bowl before the Browns. People are like the bills went to four Super Bowls. I was like, um, I'm not my, like when the bills went to the Super Bowl, I wasn't even old enough to tie my own shoes. So I don't care about that. I said, I'm talking about this century when I actually watched football. <laughs> when I remember the, I mean, the I modern era Browns. It's so right. funny how people are, they are so stuck in the cardiac kids era. And it's oh. just like, like, let, like Boomer it's Browns. fun. It's, it's fun looking at the past but we are in 2021. Is right it now. really fun looking at the past though? I mean, it's not like the I, uh, cardiac kids are fun to watch, but did they ever win a Super Bowl? Like how much fun was it? <laughs> now we're in a different era. It's like, okay, we're trying to win a Super Bowl eventually with this squad. This isn't the same thing. I feel the same way about the nineties Indians. You know, they have the Ugh. like nostalgia and all the romanticism behind it. Like, oh, it was so grand and it was great, but like, we're not there anymore. Now the team is owned by cheap idiots and we all hate them. So, you know, stop talking about them. Like it's some romantic movie. This isn't, this is just, you know, it's different. It's now. like, it's like romanticizing like the past relationships. Right. I think is what Gross. it is. Yeah. It's time to delete those pictures of your ex off your phone. Please. I need to follow my own advice. <laughs> Time to move on. Yep. Before um, I expose myself even more. Yeah, well, <laughs> we obviously are spending a lot of time talking about the offense, rightfully so. There's been a lot to talk about just with conversations that are happening regarding our quarterback um, and people trading for them. But we know that the defense is going to be a major focus in the offseason, and we will get into that. We have plenty of episodes to be able to talk about the defense, what is going to happen there. It was, it was very apparent once again yesterday when you look at the Chiefs and the Bills and the Ravens who are in our division and Cincinnati who's in our division that the defense is going to be something that we need help on. We need speed. We, we need to build a defense that can defend against these really good quarterbacks that we're going to have to face. And you look at Pat Mahomes, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be in the AFC championship for a very long time. So 
building that defense. I mean, Andrew Barry and team, they have a lot of work cut out for them. That is for sure. Oh, that is for sure. So we will get into the defense. We are going to, um, close out the symptoms. We have one final symptom to bring up to everyone. And that is confusion and paranoia. And this is having that irrational fear that this could and will just all go away this year, that this year was a fluke and we still need proof that it's going to all work out. So Brittany, I believe you have a story. I do. Of course. Bring this home. Story time, everyone. Sit around. Enjoy this. So I, uh, you know, Danny, I go, we go out to eat and one of the things they always sort of poke fun at him for is that he never finishes his meal. Like every, he can have like, you know, he could be super hungry and he'll go get like a big steak and like, he'll always leave at least like one or two bites left behind. And it drives me crazy. Like I, I sit there and I'm just like, are you serious? Like just eat the whole thing. But whenever I order real food at a restaurant, I try my very best to finish it all the time, unless it's like a salad or something, I can't do it. But if I can't, I always take it home to finish later, but there's never really anything left on the plate when I leave. And it's because there was a time in my life where I didn't know when or where my next meal was coming from. And even though it's not a worry now, it's like, it's a a habit that I can't seem to break. So it's always in the back of my mind that like all of this can just go away tomorrow. And I think that's what Browns fans struggle with. They resort back to old habits. Like let's fire this guy. Let's get this new quarterback when things are, even when things are going well, because that's what we've always done. We're just like a bunch of poor kids who now have a savings account, but we're always waiting for someone to take it all away from us. So this paranoia that we have to protect everything and we have to keep our meals, you know, even when we can afford McDonald's now, but this is just, it's, these are bad habits to break. And I'm telling you, if you need help diagnosing yourself with these weird irrational thoughts of paranoia, you let me know. I'm here for you guys. We're in this together. Yeah, I think that was, at least from what I understood from a lot of people watching the game yesterday, I I mean, I will say like I was, the further along that the week went on last week, the the better that I felt about the Browns loss and like getting over the season and getting over the breakup, if you will. But tuning into that game last night, like it, it made like all of the emotions come rushing back with just how close we really were to getting to the AFC championship. And when you yes. think about, you know, Pat Mahomes going to be around for years to come, um, at least a decade and thinking how we had a shot, like we had a shot, he went down, all we had to do was stop Chad Henney. And it just, it's so deflating when you just think about that moment. But Brittany, to your point, this hopefully isn't just lightning in a bottle. Hopefully this Browns team is also one that is going to find their themselves back in these positions year after year. And it's not just a fluke. It's so hard to just break that mentality being that we've done this and suffered for so long, Mm -hmm. but we have to, we have to move on from this. Like the team proved this year, like they weren't supposed to be there. They were not even supposed to be playing the Kansas City Chiefs this year. And they did with that we, defense. We were so close to the Super Bowl. Yeah. We we it's were so close. close to it. And it was, I don't even think that was the plan this year. I think they no. just wanted to get on steady ground. I think that was the plan. Yes. Ahead of schedule. <sighs> I mean, that should give you way more hope, if nothing else. Like it should it not is. make you feel sad. It should give you hope. Yes. Hope. Actual yes. hope, not false hope. Yes. Are we uh, are we doing prescriptions for these symptoms? Because I yes. have one. Yes. So. And then we're going to spread awareness. So. I have to write a prescription for the people who use the term game manager. Oh, yeah. Your prescription slash assignment is pretend you are a hiring manager for a company. And I would like you to write out a job ad for a game manager. Just write a job description of what a game manager is and what they do. And then read it back to yourself out loud. So you realize how dumb you sound when you call Baker a game manager. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) All right. Well, so... We want to spread awareness. Again, we went over the symptoms. Um, 
feel pretty good about the diagnosis if you have one or more of those symptoms. We also want to reenact a very serious case of PBI for our listeners. So in my mentions today, <laughs> there was arguing amongst a person named Bucknut and a guy named Jeff with a G. He may actually be watching this. Hey, Jeff. I hope um, he is. So Brittany's going to play the part of Bucknut and I was going to play the part of Jeff. Okay. Here we go. Most Browns fans seem to forget so soon that Chubb and the weapons on offense carried us all season despite mediocre play. That's not one game. There's not one game that Baker took over and helped us win. And that was with playing bad teams all year. That's because most Brown fans were uneducated at best and couldn't talk about football for life dependent on it. If their life depending on it, by the way. They think because he plays for the Browns, he's actually, he's automatically this great quarterback and he's not. People need to stop acting like he is. Agreed. I analyzed his play every game this year and he struggled while others around him were carrying him. Chubb, wide receivers, catching bad throws, etc. Even in his best games, he did nothing to elevate his team. There was a semicolon there. At best, he is a game manager with a good arm. <laughs> Stop. Why was there a semicolon? <laughs> I was in the wrong spot. I had to do the dramatic pause. What's worse, a misplaced semicolon or someone who uses ellipses, like the dot, dot, dot in every single sentence and every single the ellipses, and then they, 100%. And then they, and then they end their sentence with ellipses. Okay, I That's like ellipses. No, like it makes everything so mysterious, like for no reason. I love being mysterious. My sister does it all the time. I'll be like, hey, like, you know, what time do the girls go to bed? Eight o'clock, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, why do you have to finish it like that? Like that now What's I'm missing? just sitting here wondering, was it really eight? Is she being a smart ass? <laughs> Wait, speaking of punctuation, did you ever see that Twitter thread? It was maybe like a year or so ago of people that overuse exclamation points. So um, like, I do that. <laughs> I do that all the time too. So like, yeah. I literally felt, Don't ever look at our group text then. No, <laughs> I felt personally attacked. I went and read a work email that I sent and I was oh, like, God. holy crap. I work have an exclamation point. I always feel like I have to do it so they know I'm being nice. Yes, Like exactly. after like every sentence, I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll have that to you by five. Thank you. I wonder if- <laughs> Yes, thanks. <laughs> I wonder if everyone at work thinks I'm a total bitch because I'll, I will literally just write, oh, like not even write out the word, okay. I'll just write the letters, oh, and okay, like, okay. And that's it. Oh no my, exclamation point, no nothing. Oh, no, 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 no. If somebody sent that to me, I would be terrified. Be like, <laughs> oh my God, what did I do? I would lay awake and I'd be, and think of that email specifically. Like, I mean, I, I, I work with nothing. I mean, I'm the only woman at my office and at my work. So I don't think they even notice or care. Oh, man. They'll, they'll, they'll notice Baker's body language though. That's true. I mean, guys don't really notice things unless it comes to body language <laughs> of athletes. But I mean, exactly. I won't do that. Like I, I won't do that with, with friends or, or, or family. Um, but yeah, just for work, let's write. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pay attention to your exclamation points. I don't know if you, Brittany, watch the local news around here in Youngstown, but, um, for whatever reason, during the six o'clock news, whoever is like doing the teleprompter, like writing like the storyline to go across the board, they've been like exclamation point happy. Oh, and they'll add two. It's not one, it's two exclamation ah. points. And so every time my husband and I watch the news, we will like read it out loud. And so it'll be, it'll be like, so like last week when the Browns, or two weeks ago when the Browns like were missing Kevin Stefanski, like it was like, Browns don't have a head coach. <laughs> <laughs> so every time Jeff and I read it, like super excited, regardless of what the title is. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a screenshot. That but... is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Oh, all right. Well, we're going to wrap up the show with some Cavs chatter. Yeah. So this what is definitely, definitely Brittany and Meredith's forte. I have to, I have to admit, I am no expert on the Cavs right now because I was finally able to start watching them this past Friday, which was a great game to start, by the way. Mm. Um, yeah. So the one thing we want to bring up is the blue check mark Twitter people out there. Stop believing everything from the blue check marks. And this is in regards to the Nets interest in Kevin Love, because I did see that circulating this morning on the interwebs. Mm. Um, 
we're not saying it's not a possibility. The Cavs have been shopping him for years now. Um, but not everything that these people say are, are the gospel. No, you saw everyone like going, especially, you know, not to be rude, but the ladies of Cavs fandom, Kevin loves a big favorite. And they saw this and they immediately, you know, started, wow, <laughs> oh, he can't, Kevin, that. <laughs> and, you know, you can't just believe everything that you read on here. You know, Kev, we all love Kevin Love, okay? We all love him. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's done you know, great he, things for the yes, city of Cleveland. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, he's a fan favorite mental health like he's just he's a big advocate for important things he's wonderful salt of the earth guy he has this massive contract the dude's always hurt he's gonna be very hard to get rid of and that's that's been the situation for a couple of seasons now you know he might he, he's what 31 maybe 31 he's around my age and you know it he's not getting any younger there's no contenders that could really use him so Getting rid of Kevin Love is going to be a challenge. Now the Nets can say, oh, you know, I'm interested. Well, I'm interested in, you know, having a million dollars. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> I could tweet it and be like, I'm interested in, you know, getting a million dollars, guys. Okay, Brittany, cool. Like that's where it dies. And I think this is one of those situations where it's just going to die because the reality is Kevin Love's just going to be pretty hard to get rid of. So everyone could, you know, breathe a little bit. It'll be okay. It's more realistic that they're going to, you know, get rid of, McGee and Drummond. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I saw Andre Drummond has been the name that's been popping up more so than uh, Kevin Love was a bit of a surprise to me today to see that. But Drummond's been one that's been talked about now for a few weeks. Yeah. So I want to, I want to help people. I'm here to help you. Um, are, you pres- are you prescribing something for Cavs fans? Yes. Okay. Uh, and this is just Twitter in general. Um, Cause I think we saw uh, an OBJ thing pop up right before the show started too. And I don't even think that's worth mentioning, oh, but I think the important thing when <laughs> you're seeing tweets, especially if the person has a blue check mark, click on the person's profile, see who they're with um, and what they do. And then ask yourself, would the news director of a station in Philadelphia have an inside scoop on what the Brooklyn Nets are doing? I mean, <laughs> and there was there was a time, um, I want to say about three or four years ago, it was very, very easy to get a blue check mark. Like I had a mm-hmm. friend who he had like 700 followers. But because he was working at a radio station, management requested a check mark for him. He got one. He's not even working in radio anymore. He's like a yoga instructor now. But like his Twitter, his Twitter still has a blue check mark because at one point in his life, he was able to get a blue check. So I, I hate to downplay the blue check because they it, it is important to an extent. Um, but just know that different people have them for different reasons. Um, and then also just look at the person and ask yourself whether or not it's reasonable that they would have inside information on that particular topic. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately like, that check mark holds a lot of weight in people's does. eyes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's critical thinking on Twitter guys. Oh, okay. That what you just said is an oxymoron. <laughs> We just spent the first 45 minutes of our show talking about nobody thinks critically or logically. I'm just trying to help people out because I know seeing Kevin Love's name pop up upset a lot, not just female Cavs fans, like actual, like all Cavs fans of all walks of life, male, female, non-binary, whatever. It just, it it upset people because Kevin Love is very beloved in this town. So I just, I want to help people. So when they see things pop up like this, they don't automatically take it and run with it because there's a chance that it may not be true. That is true. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help you guys. Well, one thing we know is true is that KPJ, Kevin Porter Jr. was traded to the Rockets over the weekend, which (laughs) that was my guy. Uh, Could not have been more wrong about him, by the way. He still uh, okay. has tremendous upside if he can get it together. He uh, could still be very fun to watch to see him develop into this player that he very well could be. I but know. you know, he just he has a lot of bad habits outside of basketball and he's gotta he's gotta get that into shape if he ever wants to, 
you know, reach his potential. And hopefully we're all hoping that he does because yeah. I would yeah. love to see it. I would love to see him blossom somewhere. I will yeah. say this in defense of you, Bree. Um, I don't think you were wrong on KPJ's talent Mm-mm. at all. Uh, I think that he has superstar potential, but he just has a lot of things going on in his life off the court yeah. that he just has not been able to get under control. And that affected him on the court. So I don't, you were not wrong about KPJ when it came to his talent and his potential. Um, but the Cavs did what they could with them. And I think at one point they were saying, okay, I think this is the point where we're going to have to, to let you go if it's not going to work out here. And I just, I'm rooting for the guy. I yeah. really, really hope that something in Houston lights a fire in him because I would just, I would love to see him live up to his potential. For sure. Yeah. This is now a Jared Allen stand account. That's a good one. You know, he's going to be part of the Cavs future. Yeah, I really, I believe that he's not like a piece for them that they're, you know, looking to, to shop or trade. I think they, they got him for basically nothing. Yeah. They want him to stay. They want him to be a part of the Cavs future, which is super exciting. Kudos to Kobe Altman per usual for getting (laughs) things done. Can't say enough about how much I love the guy. Kudos Dan Gilbert. I saw a tweet the other day that says, he gave Kobe Altman the green light to get whatever he wants. Money's unlimited. Imagine, imagine I, an owner who just gives you <laughs> unlimited resources. Couldn't be the so Indians. What, so what you're saying is Gilbert is Kobe's sugar daddy. I like that. Uh, well, now that I think about it, I don't like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want someone in my life to say, Meredith, get whatever you want. Money yeah. is not an object. Be careful. I mean, Don't put that out there, Meredith. You're I mean, some weird DMs tomorrow. I, I've had my eye on a Tesla three for like three years. <laughs> um, yes. Going back to KPJ, I was sad about the news because I do think he has talent. I just hope he can get his life together. I, I was not expecting him to stay on this team after the arrest in Youngstown back in the winter or the fall um and and the Cavs are trying to build for their future and they can't have these young guys be more of a distraction off the court regardless of how much talent is there and it's unfortunate and like we said I hope that he succeeds wherever he ends up um for himself the basketball player and just as a human but it just makes you think though like typically guys in the NBA that are, that are coming out and, and being signed to teams, they're just so young and they're just thrust into the spotlight and money. And it is amazing how many of them are able to stay focused on basketball and just stay the course. And I think Colin Sexton, Brittany is one of them who has been, I mean, he is mature and wise beyond his years. My goodness. You know what? That's because I raised, your, I raised him to be that way, guys. <laughs> I said, Colin, you're going to be a good boy. You're not going to pay attention to any of those Instagram girls. I'm going to be the only person you follow. Like, you know, family values, blah, blah, blah. And he listened. He's like a little sponge. He absorbed all of it. He said, Mom, I got you. So now here we are. <laughs> I'm going to make you and proud. He's, he's living the dream. Okay, so I wrote something down in here because... You know, obviously he's having a tremendous season so mm-hmm. far. And this actually goes back into, you know, the end of last year where he was on yes. the streak of before COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, 15, whatever games of like scoring 20 points. Now, granted yesterday was the first game that that did not happen. Um, but you know, everything, every streak has to come to an end. He'll start up a new one. It'll be great. They're playing the Lakers now. I don't know how that's going, but Uh, Yeah. So, but with Colin, you know, one of the things that I've always kind of wondered because it's always irked me in a way, and I want to talk about it a little bit and I'll see what you guys have to say about it. I always thought that it was wild how so many Cleveland fans not only embraced, but they were so attracted to Matthew Della Vadova and they loved him because he was, he was gritty and, you know, he, he, he got out there. He was a hard worker, but Colin Sexton, who might be the hardest worker of any young Cavs player ever, there was so much resistance toward him. The people fought saying that he, he was a starter. They, at the beginning of this, they said he can't even play basketball. He can't shoot. 
And all he's done for the past, you know, two years now is, is improve. He, he's always working. He's always trying to get better. Everything he does is to, to perfect his game and he never stops working. So I want to know what the difference is. Like, why, why was it so easy and, and they, they couldn't get enough. I remember, you know, a couple of years ago when they re-signed it, they picked him back up. So, okay, Delavidova's back. I mean, Northeast Ohio went crazy. You would have thought that they actually signed somebody good. <laughs> I know, right? They went nuts. I said, like I, Delhi I, I like want, good. oh God, they, they couldn't get enough of him. But, you know, <laughs> for some reason, Colin Sexton, who has probably a better work ethic than almost anyone, he never got the same love. I have oh, a few theories. Yeah, let's theories. hear them. Um, first off, Delhi has an Australian accent and <laughs> nobody can resist a good accent. Um, secondly, I think the Cavs were gunning for a higher draft pick that year and they wound up uh, getting eighth in the lottery, which was the, the, the very last lottery pick or something like that that year. Um, or not the very last one, but I think the Cavs were hoping to get four, maybe five at the very lowest, and they wound up getting eight. So I think a lot of Cavs fans were very, very bitter uh, with having the eighth pick. Um, I know personally in that draft, I was hoping for Trey Young, but he had gotten picked before eight. Um, so the, so Colin Sexton fell to eight and that's where the Cavs took him. So I think it's just, I think it's just bitterness in that, that the lottery didn't work out in the Cavs favor that year. And so I don't think that Cavs fans were happy with the pick because they were expecting and wanting something higher. But I mean, Colin has been, has proved his worth 10 times over. I mean, he played with his ass on fire in the futures game last year. And it, every single game this year looks exactly the way he looked in the futures game last yes. year. Like it was just like, that's the Colin Sexton that, that Kobe Altman saw when he drafted him. Yes. I mean, I think Dan Gilbert had a big part to play in drafting Colin Sexton. I think that was his guy from the beginning. And, you know, I, I, Kobe Altman has a very tough job because he's trying to, you know, prove himself and, and build a, a winning caliber team, you know, in a, in Cleveland, which it was the aftermath of LeBron. It's a tough yeah. task for him, but he's also got to be, you know, Dan Gilbert's guy and sort of do what Dan Gilbert wants because, you know, as much as I say how much I love Dan, that's not an easy job yeah. because Dan Gilbert is, you know, he'll spend the money, but he's also very involved. Or he also he uses was. Comic Sans MS when he types letters. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he's just a very passionate guy. So that job that Kobe Allman has is just a very tricky one, I think. Um, and I think that was something that maybe even Kobe didn't have a whole lot of control over and, and Dan Gilbert was like, we are getting this guy. And, you know, I, I see what you're saying, Meredith, and maybe that it that has something to do with it. You know, they, but I don't think a lot of people, even after he started showing improvements and working on his game and getting better and in all aspects of it, they they're still showing resistance towards saying, yeah, this guy's more than a six man. But like I always, the, the, it always bugged me because I I, I looked at someone like. Della Vadova and you know, people liked him because of his grit and he's a, you know, not a dirty, he's a scrappy player. That's the word that they always use scrappy. scrappy. And I look at Colin and I'm like, man, this, the work ethic, he, it's here. Like, this is the guy that you should be saying, look, he's gritty. He'll work like he's basketball first, everything else, you know, yeah. and he's the guy that you should be liking. It always confused me that he never got that kind of love. I feel like what? it had to do with like the hangover effect of like, post championship post LeBron like mortem essentially mm -hmm. and I'm going I'm trying to go back to remember when the Cavs drafted Kyrie mm -hmm. like was like did, I, I can't even remember like that feels so long like so long ago it but was. like I feel like there was almost a state of depression like you had a little bit of hope because of how special Kyrie was or projected to be coming out of Duke but mm -hmm. I feel like with Colin, he didn't get that same like love or benefit of the doubt that you were going to build a, a franchise or a team around this particular player. And with Kyrie, I feel like that was the hope surrounding him that you'd be able to build a championship caliber team around Kyrie. Yes. Um, and maybe in the back of a lot of our jaded Cavs fans heads, like we, we all thought that maybe LeBron could come back, right? Like mm -hmm. we probably all thought like there was a good possibility. Maybe LeBron will do right and come back to us. So that was something yeah. that we were maybe holding on to. I feel like in this instance, 
you know that that's probably not going to happen. And championship team came, it left, and are we ever going to be able to get back there? So I just like yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like there's just a lot of doubt if Colin Sexton is that guy. And I, I feel like now with what he's done and what he's proven is he kind of reminds me a little bit about Baker, like about Baker in that mentality of like, everyone's going to doubt me. I'm going to go out there, work really hard and prove them wrong. And he also went through his fair share of coaching changes and like the instability and how many, how many players have been in and out of that locker room? Like he's been the only consistent thing there. So it's, it's just funny. Cause I do feel like we're living kind of like parallel paths with like the Browns and their turmoil and, and the Cavs and what they've experienced. Yes. So and I, I will also say this about Colin. He was what, 19 or 20 when he was drafted, he was mm -hmm. so young. So I think it's also it like, he was, a, he's a baby. He's still a yes. baby. I don't even think he's old enough to drink yet. Oh no, or he's, 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 he like he just, just turned, turned 21. Yeah. He like, 22. yeah. So, I mean, he is, he is a baby. Yeah. So I, I feel like people have a, a hard time picturing uh, building a franchise around someone that young. And then also when, when Colin was a rookie, um, he didn't really talk to the media too much. Like his, his shoot around, sessions with the media were, were very short and, and not very, you know, not very personable. And I think it was just him being nervous and not sure how having to do it. Cause college students don't typically have to deal with media. So I think that was new to him. So I think when you have an opportunity to kind of be that personable, like charismatic person, like Jarvis Landry, Colin has that, I think just in his first and second year when, you know, media was actually allowed, physically allowed at shoot arounds. He wasn't really talking that much just because I think he, he just wanted to play basketball and he wasn't really interested mm -hmm. in talking to the media. And when he did, he was very nervous and reserved. Yeah. He had to deal with the wrath of J.R. Smith, remember? Yes. Like, rem soup. Do you remember? J.R. Soup. Well, and, and like, think about that though. J.R. just went through like that horrible championship or I guess blown championship game. I mean, they weren't, the, they weren't in the game seven or anything, but when he blew the call, like the timeout and that, I mm -hmm. mean, and then it was like, he just wanted to like wreck everything after that. Yes. Like yes. he was just like, I don't want to play for this team. I don't want to have any part of this. I think was, was he the player that was essentially saying how Colin Sexton didn't know how to play basketball? I believe so. It was never confirmed, but it, it was, was highly, yes, it was, Rumors. reported around that <laughs> yeah. it was J.R. Smith. And I could see him saying that because he was not happy. He didn't want to be with that team. He didn't, yeah, he didn't want to be part of a rebuild. And I understand, you know, he wants to go out and he still wants to play and he doesn't want to be part of, I get that. But to say that, you know, this young kid, he doesn't know how to play basketball. Like that's such an awful thing to say. It's just a teammate and a person. Right. Like, this is a professional. You're both professionals. That mm -hmm. really soured me on J.R. Smith. Yeah, I agree. It's been bad taste. Yeah. <laughs> the, the soup throwing incident too. I mean, just Not, like, like I know Cleveland loves Jr. and they worship him and stuff. I never sure really got on that wagon either. I was just like, okay, fine. I, I think, so I guess Clevelanders latch onto two things. Um, attractive men shirtless and attractive men with, and then attractive men with, with accents. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I was going to say that like, Cleveland, I feel like surround, like we as fans surround ourselves with like very big personalities um, mm -hmm. because I think the the Cleveland motto is like the old blue collar, like we're going to take our lunch pail to dinner. And we, we love people that have those big personalities that are outspoken about like the team and the camaraderie. Except for Nick and, Chubb, who's like yes. the quietest guy in the world. I know. Which they love him too. because he puts his head down and gets to work. So is Colin Sexton. Why doesn't <laughs> yes. he get that kind of love? You're right. You were exactly right about that. I, I will figure this out. If it takes me to the rest of my life, I will figure out why there's such a resistance around this kid. I it's think people unacceptable. Are, you might have to create like a I think they're like falling in love with him. Twitter. Yeah. I mean, all I saw was love last week when he took down the new big three. That's true. Like when he took down the new big three, it was like Colin Sexton was just, I mean, they're in that love. Was the, that was the happiest I'd ever been on Twitter. I just could not, I was up to like two in the morning, just scrolling through, looking at all the funny memes. I was like, oh, this is, this is my did you heaven. Did you go back and, and search for people's bad tweets about Colin the same way you did about Stefanski? I, I didn't. Like I didn't. I, you know what? I might one day, one, when I have time, how's that? When I have time, I will go back and I, I will keep receipts. I will show you all the receipts. Here's the, the thing, Brittany, one. you will know when 
Cleveland fans take to Colin Sexton is when they start demanding that we trade him. That is when you will. Okay. Like it will be talked about like, who can we trade him for? Who can we get? Like that's when, you know, yes. you know, well, this was good. We talked calves tonight. We had, yeah. we had to like break everyone into this, you know? How about it? Yeah. Cause I mean, this isn't just a Cleveland Browns podcast. This is a Cleveland sports podcast. That's yeah. right. And I'll finally get to watch the Cavs soon. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. I'm watching them now. The game is tied as of right now. So that's great. They're playing LeBron. Great. Yay. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we will wrap it up for this evening. Thank you guys all for tuning in and joining us live. If you were on the, uh, the live stream. Um, thanks for chiming in, chatting with us all night long. Um, again, you can find us on our downloadable platforms via iTunes or Spotify. Um, again, you can find us all on Twitter. Be sure to rate and review us if you can. And we will talk to you guys all next week. <laughs>